What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. You're watching it live. For those listening later on, thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, on YouTube, which we are live still right now. Always leave comments and reviews. We appreciate it so much. Letting the room fill up a little bit, but making sure to do the introductions for the podcast. We have an amazing guest tonight with Andre Simone. He's one of my favorite guests to have on, and we've been trying to get him on for a while. And of course, with what's going on in the world right now, I desperately wanted to get him on to talk about things. Good seeing you guys. Make sure when you are um, asking questions, if we don't get to it, if we're telling a story, ask it again. We'll get to it um, to go on it. But Andre Simone has a great new song out right now called Our World is on Fire and the video and the powerful message behind it. And Andre has been around um, for a while and his message is even more important now than it's ever been. So we're going to bring Andre in right now, ladies and gentlemen, musician, producer, artist, Andre Simone. Hey, Andre. Hey, how you doing? How's good. it going? How are you, man? I'm good, good. Going with everything that's going on in the world right now. I'm going. It's really great to see you. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on here. It's my pleasure. Yeah, definitely. So here we are, we're, we're in a lockdown over COVID, <laughs> then other ridiculousness starts that has been going on for a long time. Yes, that's what is. people have to understand. You know, on the north side of Minneapolis and other stuff that you saw as a kid, having to go through it and me with the LA riots and other stuff. And I guess I was just naive if I said before that I didn't think that we were going to have to have something like that happen again, but lo and behold, we had to have it, you yeah. know? Um, and you've been talking about this for a while, whether it was with, uh, you know, being black in America or black man in America as well. Like you, you, you see these things that maybe other people don't, you know, and that you've seen before as a child and you're seeing before now. And, it still hurts just like it is a kid, but I don't know if you're getting angrier or, or what's going on with it, but I want to hear how you feel with what's going on right now with the movement at least going on towards it. You're breaking up a little bit. So I didn't hear quite the last oh, part sorry. of the question. Um, so with what's, what's going on in the world right now, because you've had to deal with it for a long time, but the movement absolutely. seems to, getting traction that it may have not had since the seventies and mm -hmm. whatnot. I just want to see how you're feeling about that message and that, cause I, we know, I just feel we've had, we have to have difficult conversations because we can't just let it, let it go away. We have to bring right. up, we're on a Taylor's name. We have to bring up other stuff. Right. It has to stay relevant. And now we're into the fifth week right now of a uh, protest going on. They need to happen. I just want to see how you're feeling about, the movement and how what we can do to make change. I know it's a loaded question, but we have time. No, no, no. It's 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 not a well. It's it's not a loaded question. It's just it's a question that needs to be asked. Should have been asked. Should have been dealt with a long time ago. Because right. I mean, we're in 2020, and it's crazy that you know, with all that's gone on previously. I mean, because back in what 68, there was the riots in Minneapolis, and you know all the stuff that's happened. You know. 
I guess for me, it hits home just to, to begin to address some of the things you were, you're, you're asking is right. for me, it hits home because so many people in my family have been affected by police brutality in one shape or one, one form or another, you know, whether it's my brother, my older brothers, my two older brothers, um, you know, me, uh, my nephew, um, basically, you know, uh, you know, had a traumatic brain injury from the police, had his back broken and he's, he's in a wheelchair now. I mean, he's younger than I am. So it's just, when you have this stuff that happens on a regular basis and, you know, we're touched by it, you know I mean? Uh, I think I'd said before, you know, I was riding with on my brother's motorcycle, his little uh, uh, yeah. Honda, and I had Prince on the back, and and we got stopped, you know. And this was back in God, I guess it would have been probably eighty, I guess seventy nine or eighty. Had because wow. it was after his record was out, because I know that, wow. um, you know, I we got pulled over, and um, you know, I got kind of smart, cocky with the cop or whatever, because he was kind of being jerky. And, you know, I mean, I always felt like, you know, I mean, you know, I got rights. I mean, you just can't walk up on me and start talking a whole bunch of trash. And then I'm right. supposed to just take it. It's like, I don't know how that makes sense. So, you know, I just wasn't raised that way. So I was like, look, you know, and so I said a couple of things back and then we had some exchange, uh, some verbal exchange. And the next thing I know, you know, because he's got the gun and the badge, um, you know, I'm telling Prince to, you know, go, you know, hey, go get my mom so she can bail me out and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm thrown in the back of a squad car, and then him and my mom come, comes. My mom comes with like like the Ride On magazine, right? Because we were, uh, you know, we were, we were in a, we had, uh, I think done the Rick James tour or something. So we were in some magazine. But anyway, I mean, it just it affects right. all of that. And then you know the thing the the thing is is that you know there's so many things that need to be done, you know. And I think one of the the major things that you know we have to do, I think, is we have to start to begin to reimagine, you know, um, the black community. We have to reimagine, you know, um, the way things are. We have to restructure. And, and I really think from top to bottom, to be honest with you, we have to uh, create an environment, um, you know, in the community that is right. widespread. You know, it's not just, you know, cause I mean, here, here's the thing, think about it like this. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, and Prince and I, we grew up obviously in the same neighborhood, not just the same neighborhood, but literally the same house. So, right. you know, when we were growing up, you know, we had a community, a very solid community. Um, and they supported us, supported our music, supported everything we did, from my mom to her friends, to the community centers, to uh, Spike Moss and the way down there. You know, I mean, that's where, you know, they generated uh, a lot of the gigs that we did. Right. And what they did to that community, because they saw that community was thriving. So what do they do? They go in and they rip out the community center, just tear it down. And in its place, they put a police station and then they fill the community with guns and drugs. Cause you know, I mean, I, you know, I was there before. So I know that all those things weren't there like that before. I just know it. I, I was there. I, if it was there, you know, right. I mean, yeah, there was people there, you know, selling a little weed here and there, but you know, all of a sudden after the, you know, after they devastated our community, the next thing, you know, there was like, all kinds of crazy drugs, drugs people never even heard of, all of a sudden then guns and then, you know, just, and it became basically an attempt to ruin a community. And that's what they tried to do. And then on top of that, if it's not bad enough, and I ain't got anything against um, Estes Funeral Home, because, you know, obviously we all need it, but it used to be way down the boulevard, down at the, you know, you know, out of sight, out of mind, which is how it right. should be. 
you know, and then they moved it, <laughs> they moved it, you know, on the corner of the main street, Plymouth and Penn, and they got it on both corners. So you got the police and then you got a funeral home, you know, which used to be a McDonald's and used to be places where we could run and play and, you know, and then it just turned into a whole different thing, you know, cause for me, you know, I mean, having a funeral home, like a tourist attraction, like it's like a restaurant or a hotel is, is sending out an interesting message you know, and right. all of those things, you know, it should, it should be out of sight, out of mind, not on the bus line. So, you know, those are things that need to be done. And, and, you know, and, and then trying to reimagine the community. One of the last times um, Prince and I spoke, we talked about um, building a community center and we talked, you know, quite a bit about it, you know, for a long time. And we talked about, um, you know, all the different things that would be great to bring into the community. So it wasn't just about a community right. center. You know, I mean, for me, it's it's about a community period, you know, like, right. you know, like in that particular, we were talking about was a community center and maybe a playhouse where, you know, um, you have plays, you have, you know, I mean, Minnesota are, actually has a history, a really rich history of, you know, arts and entertainment. And, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with August Wilson, but, you know, he came and uh, wrote plays and, um, you know, there's the Penumbra Playhouse and there's a lot of stuff going on that, um, you know, has since sort of, it's just not, you know, we need to build that back up. We need to reimagine, you know, the black community. And, and, and I would love to start with North Minneapolis and basically make that sort of a, um, you know, sort of a, uh, an example, sort of a prototype of, of communities all around the country. Cause there's right. places in, there's places where we, you know, where we grew up that could be amazing. I mean, I know it, you know, they've got sort of defunct, you know, train, tracks and train areas right in the back of our community that could be reimagined and, and right. turned into you know um you know something that could be really really cool that could right. come from downtown into the community and then you could build like you know an art center right back there because it's vacant right now or you could right. go um you know or you could build on on broadway there's all sorts of places we got the capri we got kmoj we got the urban league we got the um black um uh <clears throat> history center you know there's there's things cropping up but we need to keep growing and create an environment a community right. environment where you know basically it's um it's 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 an atmospheric place for people in the community to to be able to live and thrive and grow and in a place that quite frankly you know would draw other people to the community community because you know and it'd be welcoming i mean it seems like you know where we go we're not really welcome but to create an environment and an atmosphere that you know is really, really you know reimagined and really, really cool, and yes. you know where all would be welcome, is what needs to be created. So that's that's what I would that's what I'm about trying to do about trying to yeah. see if I can bring people together to make that happen. That would be amazing, especially like for a way for the 21st century and mm -hmm. these other things that are needed that people may not know. And Spike, you know, I we got to get him on the show sometime because mm -hmm. even though there was something that he's a part of, but people don't know it, but Spike played a huge part in North Minneapolis and the way the getting stuff done. And now, you know, you're, you learned that message as a youth and now you're knowing it now and teaching it now. And of course it's so needed. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that's not what you expected to be doing as a kid, day to school people, but community centers like the way and other things, it's so desperately needed. And I hear about, defining the police and where they're going to put stuff. I wish they put it into uh, community centers and other things like the way, because I think that it's completely needed, mm -hmm. you know, and you guys, 
you guys would jam there, right? You guys would perform yeah. at the way, right? We we per, we performed there a couple of times, but you know, I mean, it was it was more than that. I mean, we did a lot of you know. It's like, I mean, there were there were a few community centers scattered around, you know, and that's what was so cool. The the way was one of them, and it was an outlet. Um, there was the Glenwood Community Center, which was another outlet. There was um the uh, the YWCA, um, the YMCA, which was, you know, you know, these were all outlets. My mother uh, had uh, North Commons, um, Ruth Hawkins Community Center, which was her community center, which she ran and ran programs out of and, you know, ran uh, job opportunity programs out of. There's just so many things going on. It was so rich. It was a beautiful time. It was a beautiful right. place. And I think because it was so fruitful and so um, beautiful and, and, and really, you know, I mean, people were coming out of there and they were doing really good things, you know, good things for the community. They were coming back to the community, they were giving back. And I just think somebody somewhere said, you know what, we got to squash this. And so they went in and they dismantled it and they just, you know, crippled it. And, you know, and now it's rebuilding, which is, you know, it's always going to rebuild. But I, I just think that the thing about the thing about um, black communities and what the state and the city does is they don't give black communities really any um, real roots. You know what I mean? It's like it's like whenever we start to get our own roots, because we have to always build our own foundation and our own roots. As soon as we do, they build a freeway through it, or they tear it down, or they find something else to to find a way to 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 break it up and 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 cause you to actually have to start all over again. And you know, so we have no structure. You know, so a lot of people say, well. Why, you know, you know, why do, you know, why do they tear up their own community and all of this? Why do right. they, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, all the buildings that we that we do get are usually secondhand. They're not structures built specifically for anything, you know, for us. It's like some old building that, you know, got turned into this or some old building. Right. There's been a few. I'm not saying that there isn't any. So I don't want to, you know, and and the reality is, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm not living in, in Minneapolis or North Minneapolis right now. I mean, obviously, I go back quite a bit, but I don't live there right now. Um, but my family still lives there. So obviously, I go there and I'm, I'm very much, you know, in the community and in the neighborhood. And I still go back and perform. And in fact, I go back and um, uh, my wife, who's who's also, you know, you know, she uh, taught dance and, and, and is a bit in the art world very heavily. Um, she kind of, you know, bridges a lot of different things with a lot of different people and brings things together. And her and uh, Manuela uh, Testolini, um, she has a In a Perfect World um, organization. And yes. we all came together and actually, you know, um, through her organization, brought instruments. And uh, Dave Hampton, who's a, an amazing designer, um, designed a room for, um, for Franklin, you know, and they put like instruments and brought guitars and studios and stuff in there. And as, and as well as school called uh, Ann Watton, um, did the same thing for them with um, uh, Ellen Schulman, who was the principal over there. So, you know, we, we, we try to do whatever we can, we, whatever we can, but I really think it's important to find, you know, because I know that LeBron James and some of the, you know, um, you know, NBA stars are doing some really cool programs. Um, it would be great to create sort of a, a connection or a pipeline between some of these organizations, the NBA, the NFL, um, you know, and some of these organizations, I mean, because they have, you know, so much, um, such a large platform, you know, right. that to really create that connection, to start to create, you know, environments in, in black communities 
right. that are sustainable, that are um, atmospheric unto itself, that, that can become places of, 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 of vast entertainment exploitation, you know, where, right. you know, uh, opportunity, you know, plays, concerts, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, inter entertainers come and speak to the kids, you know, NBA, NFL, baseball stars come and speak to the kids. I mean, things that they used to do stuff like that when I was a kid, you know, I didn't always get involved in all those things, but I got involved in a, enough of them to inspire me to see how, you know, to see the potential and things like that. So it's, I think it's really important to really think about reimagining, you know, black communities, you know, it's just, just one of the things I think are very, very important. Right. And it's just neat. And of course, that was really awesome what Manuela was able to do and Dave Hampton as well, and you be a part of it because then they can focus on music and have the instruments and, and learn some things with it. Now, someone brought up an interesting point like about Calhoun Square as being renamed. And of course, Prince made a song and released that in the 90s entitled that. And a lot of people didn't know that it was named after a person that was a slave owner and all this other stuff. But those were things that you knew where the community was kind of in shock. Like, did you know about, like, when did you know about that history of Calhoun Square that that's who it was named after? You know, you know I didn't know about that history. I, I only found out about that relatively recently. See, um, yeah. You know, okay. I, but honestly, I'm not surprised. I mean, how can you be, how can you be surprised about any of that stuff? I mean, you know, you know here's, here's the thing, you know, what we are involved in is, is evolution. Okay, that's just that's just it, you know. And and people have to understand we are constantly evolving. That is part of a dark, ugly history that has to be rooted out. And as you find these things, you have to do things to root these things out, to to replace them with positive things. I don't see the use and the negativity of somebody who actually thought that it was a good idea to take someone from another country, basically kidnap them, bring them here against their will, you know, and, you know, on and on and on. I mean, beat, slave, you know, make them, you know, tell them you can't learn, you can't, you're not gonna learn anything. You're, 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 uh, um, you're, uh, you're beholden to us, you're inferior to us and all these things, this doctrine that, you know, throughout history they taught us and we had to fight, you know, work our way through all of that nonsense. And this is the reason why, you know, people wonder, why is it why why do you guys say black lives matter why isn't all lives matter of course all lives matter but the reason why we say black lives matter is because what the, the struggle that black people went through and you know i mean we we contributed we invented things along the way it wasn't like we were just shuffling around i mean we worked our behinds off from obviously from day one kidnapped basically blindfolded thrown to a country you don't speak the language you know, you're just nothing you're beaten your kids are separated from you just it's just an atrocity. All these things happen. Meanwhile, through the through the through history, you fight, work, struggle. You know all the different things. You know we created um, instruments. We created you know the light bulb or some variation and part of the vacuum right. cleaner, the lawnmower. You know uh, stoplight. You know I mean you can go through all the things. You can go online and figure out all the contributions black people have made. You know uh, jazz, blues, funk, rock and roll. You know I mean you know. These are major contributions. So it wasn't like we were just shuffling around, waiting, tr trying to take things. You know, we were. So this is why. You know, we watch other people get statues, and then Calhoun Lake named after them, and all this other kind of stuff. You know, they mattered. 
you know, um, in the history books, write great things about, you know, you know, um, George Washington and Jackson and Jefferson, they mattered, you know, um, and then, you know, they get television shows and movies and great productions and fantasy and all that stuff and all that matters. Right. But black people just get, you know, shows that are, you know, a lot of times show disparaging characters, you know, things that are not really representative of how vast and how the array of personalities that, that actually comprised the black experience. So, you know, right. so that's why a lot of people say we matter, wake up, we matter. It's not saying that nobody else matters, but we matter too. You know, it's just, it, it doesn't sound good saying black lives, black people matter too. It's just right. black lives matter. People, you know, with good conscience understand that. And the, the beauty, I have to say, the beauty of what I've seen throughout this, you know, the riots, the protests, and what's been going on is how people have come together. Whites, Blacks, Hispanics, uh, Native American, you know, uh, Asian, um, uh, um, uh, every culture has come together and they, rep they recognize that we all need to deal with this. We're all in this thing together. Nothing is, nothing is going to change until we all get on board and fight for each other. You know, now obviously white folks already have, you know, a monopoly on pretty much everything, you know. So what people I think are fighting for is just a little balance, just a right. little bit of just equality, you know, and it's 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 what you know we we thought, you know, I honestly thought, I never really, you know, and I know a lot of people don't may not see it that way, but I, I thought we had gotten past this. I thought we were, you know, I think what was it? I think uh Torre or somebody like that. You know, said we were in post-racial, you know, America or something like that, and it's like, you know, I thought I thought it was interesting then, you know, but it's it's right. it's kind of, you know, we've just been brought back to reality, and I think we have to, for once and for all, deal with it. And so that's where we are now. We're at the we're at, we're at the precipice. We are at the point where now we got to deal with, it, okay, because there's no more. We we're not going back, and we're not doing this all over again. And I know that. You know, corporations and companies do not want, you know, to see their businesses crippled, you know, by, you know, people standing up for themselves, you know, and, you know, we have no leadership in, in, in the White House, none. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, we're in a pandemic that we didn't have to be in, you know, almost right. 200 million or 200,000 people. Wait, I, you know, it's there's so many. It's just it's hard to understand. But 200,000 people right. dead that don't have to be dead, that didn't have to die because of bad leadership, you know? And so that's the economy. We're stuck, you know, you know, in a pandemic, you know, lockdown and, and people need to wear their masks because people walk around talking about it ain't real. Okay. You know what? It is real. And you know what? And it, I mean, it's, it's so selfish for people to go around and not deal with this because it's just, it's what it's doing is prolonging this whole thing. It's going to be longer. It's going to be longer. If you like sports, it's going to be longer before you see any sports. It's going to be longer before you see any tennis. It's going to be longer before you see any baseball, football, or basketball. It's going to be longer before you see any concerts. All of this stuff is just going to be, it's just postponing the inevitable. So wake up, vote, because voting counts too. Vote, it's not, you know, you know, thinking that this virus is not real, just like thinking your vote doesn't count, is just ridiculous. It's like, right. wake up. And quit making all of us suffer because you don't get it. Get it already, because we got to move on. Because it's time to get to the. We at, at some point we got to get to that place 
That's right. the cool place. That's where I want to be. That's what I mean. Look, hey, I'm already dressed for it. So let's, <laughs> let's get there already. Absolutely. And that's what people don't understand. And it's been going on for a while. And just like with Calhoun Square and other places, do we need to have history books updated? It can't just be Black History Month. There has to be right. other stuff. And we, it's okay. It's okay for us to be embarrassed by American history. We just have to get the facts right. None of this George Washington wooden teeth story. We need the real story, you know? Yeah. We need yeah. that stuff. And Prince was ahead of his time with Black Lives Matter and having to see it just like you and these changes that need to be made. Now, of course, you're bringing up concerts. Mm -hmm. And I saw you at the Mint last December before mm -hmm. you took over at Paisley and, and knocked it out the park there. Thank you. I love the performance i love that you know i'm watching the footage over and over again of our world is on fire not mm -hmm. just because i love the song but because i was there that night and i had such a good time albeit after it, i got into a pretty bad car accident but i'm here now yeah, everything is good yeah. and we're grateful for that but yeah. the video and the message it's so powerful and of course using images from the news media photography mm -hmm. like matthew bitten mm -hmm. or matthew Bitton. yeah um much love to him yeah. It's just, it's a powerful, powerful message. And I know like the creation process of it and putting together the video, how was it making it, making you feel when putting it together to put it out? You know, it was, a, it was an amazing, um, it was amazing top to bottom, really. Um, you know, it was uh, kind of, uh, Catherine came up with the idea of creating the anatomy of a revolution, you know, because we were seeing what was going on and, um, and she thought, you know, well, let's 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 put all these things together. And she had said, you know, you got that song that, you know, I had I'd written. And, you know, I mean, you'd see me perform it. I performed it at the Mint. It was like, you know, before all of this all jumped off, you know. So, you know, so she said that. And then, you know, um, we got um, Burr Levant, who's uh, an amazing videographer who, you know, you know, put, you know, who did the editing and put it together and, and, and helped me kind of. You know, we went back and forth. We all bounced our ideas back and forth and really tried to capture, you know, the essence, basically, you know, the anatomy of a revolution. Um, you know, I mean, that's how it came about. And then, you know, uh, we saw some of Matthew's amazing photography and he had some of his stuff up. You know, as, as a matter of fact, you know, he's donating some to some, you know, uh, amazing organizations and the sales from his, you know, whose um, sales are at his website, you know, and. I just want to thank him basically for, you know, for saying, hey, you know, we, when we said, hey, can we use one of your photos? He was like, yeah. And, and before we even got it out of my mouth fully, you know, he had a whole image drawn up and had the text and everything. And it was like, I mean, that's what's cool. I mean, you know, I mean, he's it's cool to when you have people like that, that get it and like to do things for the right reasons. And it ain't about, you know, really, um, you know, it's just about people coming together and doing things. And that's that's where we're at. I'm noticing that more and more where people get it. Because, you know, it's not like a lot of, you know, the music business is in, a, is in a crazy place. So it's not like there's you're making a whole bunch of money doing a whole lot of crazy things right. from record companies. They Record companies sold us out. You know, so we're, you know, so artists are basically kind of on their own. You know, and I people are basically, people don't understand that they're just feeding record companies every time they buy this stuff, which is fine, you know, but you got to go directly to the artists because the artists are, are in a place, you know, where they're just having to do what they got to do. And luckily, you know, there's a, there's a, 
there's a network of people out there like Matthew, like yourself, that, that get it. People who are like, you know what? You know, we're all in this thing together. You know, sink or swim. We're gonna have to bring us, you know, what we do into the, you know, into the arena and, and lay it out there. And that's what people are responding to. And the people are out there because social media, people know what's going on. They know where to go, they know what to do. And they are, you know, I, I have to say, you know, um, you know, most of my inspiration of, of the things I've been doing as of late, because I'm not like a newcomer to to writing stuff. I mean, I you know, when Trayvon was killed, I wrote Trayvon, which is a song I did back in 2013 or 14 or something like that. You know, I wrote a song for him, and all the proceeds went to his family. It's like you know, I mean, um, I did uh, when, you know, we're trying to reelect Barack Obama. I wrote a song called Vote. If you don't vote, you don't count. You know, you know, try to get that going. Went and um, performed it for Keith Ellison. He was running for DNC chair. Um, uh, Hot Night in the Neighborhood after Mike Brown was, was murdered. Um, you know, it's like, you know, and then this song, well, Black Man in America was written because of a friend of mine who had gotten beat by the police, tased and then uh, pepper sprayed and taken to jail, you know, because he was waiting on the bus. You know, it's like, it just goes on and on and on. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, and, and then this song, obviously, you know, we, um, the first day, I think we got a thousand, over a thousand dollars that we donated to Sabathony and um, to um, uh, Dream Defenders, you know, and other organizations. I think it was, what was the other one? The other one is um, Movement for Black Lives. You know, it's just, you know, we have to get involved in these things and we have to do what we can to try to help people who are trying to, you know, who are trying to really um, help everybody. We're all in this thing together. And that's what this is all about. It's like giving to people, uh, doing what you do. Um, I write songs. I write music. Um, you know, um, I create. I write. I, I went to school for, for um, producing and screenwriting and directing. You know, so, you know, these are all the things that I want to bring to the table, to the world of, of to the world period and right. to try to you know um you know create a different conversation create a different narrative um and i think it's important to to do that so right and you say you write you do everything of course we got yeah. <laughs> and then what other people may not know like how many production credits you have oh my god you'll be going through vinyl be digging it produced by andre simone so much stuff that people do not understand how much you created you know, more than just Dance Electric, more than just being in Prince's band, you know, yeah. Jody, Jody Wally and other people, um, yeah. you know, and I, do you still produce other artists? I know that you mostly do yourself, but if someone came to you and wanted to have Andre Simone on the record, can we make that happen? You know, you know, the interesting thing with producing is, 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 is it's, it's an interesting thing because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, I did it for a while. I did it for a long time. You know, obviously, I mean, you know, Jody Wiley was a great production and obviously a lot of hit records. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, I mean, she won, you know, which is a distinction for Minneapolis artists, you know, because obviously a lot of uh, producers and writers came out of Minneapolis. Me, obviously, Prince, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis and all of that. But I hope the distinction, I think, of the only producer, writer, producer that ever produced an artist that won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist. That's kind of a big deal, I think. You know, I mean, I'm I'm really proud of that. You know, and I think, obviously, not only what I do and and that I think should bring, you know, respect to our city, but also what Jimmy and Terry have done, is amazing and brought you know revenue and respect to the city. And obviously, what Prince has done brought revenue and respect to the city. 
So you'd think it would be the least that the city could do to give back to North Minneapolis to create, you know, um, a reimagined, you know, community in, environment. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, to produce another artist, I, I would love to. The only thing is, my only trepidation, I guess, hesitation, is that, you know, I know what I generally, I don't like to tell people what they should do. You know what I mean? Because as a producer, really, you're just sort of, you know, your job is to just make their, you know, wishes come right. true. It's like just you're you're you know hey what do you, what do you want to do you know just tell me you know a lot of times when I the conversation that I have with artists I, I it's not about me you know I don't try to make them sound like me or give them a, you know I know that other people do that's just was never my thing what I would do is just say what do you want do you want to be uh, do you want to hit because you know that's kind of easy you know um, or do you want to be um, respected you know there's a difference you know it's like or do you want to do you want to try to, you know, thread that needle. But, you know, those are the questions that, you know, I would ask. And, you know, a lot of times back then, after I did Jody, I had a lot of people coming at me trying to have me duplicate her whole thing. And my thing was, that's Jody's thing. You know, I didn't want to, you know, I, I could have made, obviously, tons of money by doing, you know, another artist like Jody, another artist like Jody, right, and doing that whole thing. And, you know, I just didn't want to, you know, just to be quite frankly, to be quite honest, I just didn't want to. I thought that's her thing. And, you know, I didn't want to duplicate that or, you know, replicate that. And so, you know, Adam came along and, you know, that was an amazing um, uh, opportunity actually, because Adam is a really, really, you know, um, I mean, brilliant artist, you know. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand the Adam Prince connection, you know, because, you know, there's a very serious, you know, when we went to, when we went to Europe for the first time, um, one of the one of the books that my brother brought, you know, before we went, and you know, both obviously Prince and I were at my mom's house. You know, we were going there. He's like, you know, he brought us this, you know, um, this book about uh, British artists, and who's on the cover is Adam with the with the ruffles and the you know and all that kind of and the old sort of the yeah the whole thing and the jacket, which is basically, you know, um, very reminiscent, you know, of of what wound up becoming, you know. A change in style and fashion, you know, and I got to give my brother Eddie Anderson a shout out because a lot of people don't understand how much, you know, what a major, major role he played, you know, obviously in my, my life because he was my big brother, but in Prince's life because, you know, if you look in Prince's book, obviously Eddie's in the book and he's in there with his son and, you know, I mean, obviously in this book you see, you know, a lot of my family and, you know, obviously me, you know, because, you know, you know, you, you start to, you start to see, you know, his, there were pictures of there and me of, of me that I was like, uh, <laughs> if I could have, if I could have said, you really have to, that, you know, me with the tennis outfit on, and, you know, it's like, you know, sure. I mean, even Prince with his the socks pulled way up, which was stripes on him, you know, because we used to, we used to do some serious, we used to play some serious tennis when we were, oh, we were yeah, we used to do crazy stuff back then. But, um, but to produce an artist, you know, I wouldn't say no, I wouldn't say no. Um, it just would depend on, on. Um, on who? Because I know, um, uh, um, you know, Apollonia has an, an artist that she works with that's amazingly talented. Uh, you know that I would, you know, I, you know, we'll we'll have to see what's going on because I'm right now I'm trying to focus on what I'm doing. Um, I know that uh, Jill has a, a daughter that's amazingly talented, Jill Jones. I mean, so there, there's so much talent out there that you know, I, I get so tempted, but I've worked with. You know, other artists that you know, 
they, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to really, you know, create, you know, something. Well, that's not true. I, I keep saying that, but that's not true because I, I managed to do it with this Kuwaiti artist, um, Lena Shamas. She's amazing. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you should look that up because she's, um, she's just, she's an amazing songwriter. And we, we did some stuff. As a matter of fact, we did some stuff with um, Lisa's brother who wrote Around the World in a Day. Um, sure. Yeah, he did the, uh, he's a cellist and he wrote the, uh, the arrangements. Um, and it's just, anyway, it's just an amazing record. It was an amazing experience. Yes. Thank you for bringing up the Adamant thing because I brought it up to people before and they're like, no, no, that's just a coincidence. I'm like, no, I'm sure that he saw it because look, at that time and sometimes in the 90s, overseas music was far ahead of American music. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. I think he didn't copy Adam, he took yeah. some things from it and made it yeah. his own. That's, so I love that, you, that you're aware of that and other things. And speaking well, of, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I, I was, I, you know, I'm a little more than aware of these things because, I mean, you know, I, you know, you have to understand. I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, obviously, you know, we were close, you know, and we were, we were literally like brothers. I mean, you know, for all intent and purposes, and you know, I mean, you know, we're all inspired by a lot of different, you know, different um, things and places and people, and you know, um, you know, I mean, and I'm no different. Prince is no different. You know, people that came before us were no different. You know, Jimi Hendrix were in, was inspired by a lot of the blues guys that he used to check out. And, you know, I mean, obviously the Rolling Stones were inspired by James Brown, a lot of different blues artists that they were, you know, it's like, it, it's it's almost like paying forward. It's like, you know, um, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. It's just all in how you, um, you know, um, you know, uh, I guess, um, you, that that inspiration is reflected. You know, I mean, right. I was, I, I, you know, I was in, influenced by, um, you know, I guess Devo and and Yellow Magic Orchestra and some of the, you know, some really avant-garde, um, you know, um, you know, craft work, avant-garde artists that, you know, with my record company kind of got me in a lot of trouble because they really just wanted me to do what I did when I was in Minneapolis and and do that whole thing. And I was like, look, I want to be an artist. You know, I mean, that's what I thought. I wanted to try to create something that was never that nobody had ever heard before. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't even trying to, I mean, listen to living in a new way, I'm not trying to make, write a hit song. It's just, I'm trying to create art, you know? And, you know, I guess that concept, when you think about it, you know, when you're talking about a record company, it just is antithetical to what they are trying to do. They're, they're like, why don't you just write a hit song? You know, and like, I, you know, that's, that's, you know, it, you can, that's easy. You know, I know I say that and it sounds crazy, but you know, after, you know, when they wouldn't, you know, promote me the way I thought. I just stopped recording for them. And then I went over to MCA. I had met Jody and then I wrote, you know, looking for a new love with number one. So I could write. There you go. Oh, no. Bring it back. Lost him for a second. Hopefully not. I'm seeing your guys' question regarding Elvis. Uh, hopefully we're getting Andre back. No, we'll still talk about other things. I'm enjoying your guys' conversation um, that's been going on in the room as well, and you guys communicating with everyone. Uh, here's hoping we get Andre back on soon. I'm really enjoying it. We still want to talk about uh, Paisley Park and him performing there and a few other things. Um, 
Here's hoping he comes back. I'm gonna pull him off for a moment, just so you guys have the full screen and I have it with you. But we still have Andre coming on. We're waiting for the connection. We'll get him back. Um, sorry for being silent. Just uh, texting. Because it's been a really great conversation so far. All right. Yeah, we'll get that Ellis question in. Uh, Who's Jeremy? Oh, it's Prince Inspired by Adam. Just with looks and other things. Thank you, Catherine. And um, you see it like on Graffiti Bridge during Elephants and Flowers and some other things. And yes. How are you guys doing? We're just going to got to love this for, for the playback when we do other things that they'll be explaining it. Like, wait, there was talking going on. It went away. Um, thank you, the red shirt, we'll get into it, covering it up just because we know, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this a little bit with Andre, but we know something's coming up, so I'm wearing an old uh, Prince Sign of the Times tour shirt, we'll be talking about that, but the red matched uh, a little bit of that, and uh, of course the watch, uh, yes. And then there goes Elvis Inspiration Delirious. We'll get to that. I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Hello, Melissa. Hello, Virginia, Angel, Kelly, Tia. The guys are being silent, huh? All right, we almost have Andre back. Here we go. He was just taking a brief, brief break. But here is Andre back. What's going on, man? There we Don't go. you love live? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, I yeah. think it's a, a note note to self. Remember to plug your computer in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. Normally, I use my um, my big computer, but um, uh, but uh, um, I didn't have the the um, the format uh, loaded. So anyway, it's all good. We're back. Yes. Someone had a question in regards. They wanted to know about Prince's take on Elvis Presley. Prince's take on Elvis Presley? Yeah. <laughs> obviously, he was a big fan. You know, obviously, I mean, you know, um, mm. you know, I don't know what kid, you know, that was born in 1958. You know, we're, me and Prince are a week, was it two weeks? Yeah. 20 days apart. Um, yeah. So, I don't know what kid, you know, that, uh, you know, from that era was, is not, was not an Elvis fan. You know, all the different movies, you know, I would watch him, he would watch him. I mean, obviously we sat around watching them. They would come on the Mel J, Mel Jazz matinee movie. So we get, you know, Elvis in Las Vegas and, you know, Clam Bake and, you know, you name it. You know, um, what was the other one? Uh, Love Me Tender, which is great. I love that. Um, but yeah, no, you know, it's hard for me to really speak, you know, so much from his perspective because, you know, um, right. you know, I, that's what's on. Normally, I would never even, even say anything because I would. My 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 thing. I stopped doing interviews in 1985 and didn't do them again until 2014. But and so I would, you know, and partly because people would always ask me stuff about Prince, 
And I'd say, look, ask him. Dude can, dude can right. talk a blue streak, you know, just, you know, but, you know, um, but I think the reality is, you know, I mean, you asked me the question and, you know, I happen to know because obviously, you know, right. beyond living, um, you know, with my mother at my mom's house, you know, when he got his first apartment, we actually moved in. And then his first house, we actually moved in. His second house, we moved in. Third house, we moved in. And then obviously when we did the first, second, and third record, record out in Los Angeles, record in San Francisco, you know, we were, you know, kind of hung out quite a bit. So, um, and Elvis was definitely a part of the reality. Now, someone asked this question, just because we're going to be going around. Do you feel like you got your fair credit as a producer? Even though we touched base a little bit, do you think you got your fair credit? My fair credit as a producer? Yeah. From what? Artist, they feel that you should be on the Mount Rushmore when it comes uh, <laughs> to Minneapolis Mount Rushmore. They just want to know if you got your credit as a producer in your eyes. I don't think so. I'll answer it for you, but I want yeah. to know what you think. You know, I would say probably not. But, you know, the, the, I think part of the problem is because I'm not into... Um, you know, I've, I've never really been into things for myself. I just have not, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know, whether it's from Prince's perspective back when I was in that whole situation to my own self, I'm just a different kind of, um, I realize that now in retrospect, I'm a different kind of person because I still don't think like that. So, you know, I mean, it's not that I don't care, but I don't, I'm not a self promoter. I'm like, I'm not like a, a blow my own horn, toot my own horn kind of guy. It's like, I always think that you should let your work do the speaking, you know? Um, right. And obviously, you know, I guess when you write a lot of hits, you know, I mean, he hit television shows, television themes, hit movies. I think I've had, you know, been on three or four of them or something, you know, um, worked with big, huge, some of the biggest artists. I mean, Tom Jones is one of the biggest artists ever. Tina Turner, one of the biggest artists ever. I mean, you know, Adamant, you know, it's pretty, pretty serious and obviously Prince and, you know, um, you know, so I mean, but, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, I think sometimes um, people feel like, you know, because me and Prince were so close, they, they somehow I get just attached regardless of whether I like it or not, you know, and, you know, and, and I guess part of the thing is, I mean, I love Prince. I love the brother. I mean, period. I always did, always will. Right. A lot of people always tried to make it like this jealousy thing or um, an animosity thing or, you know, or he just did. He was jealous of Prince's, you know, fame or whatever. Couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, you know, I was so pr I'm still proud. You know, one of the things that made me, you know, proudest, you know, is um, Morris Hayes asked me to, um, you know, to uh, do uh, a European tour after um, Prince had passed away. And. I mean, honestly, I would have never done anything like that. You know, when the when the revolution asked me to do their shows in at uh, First Avenue right after he passed away, I thought it was way too soon, and I would have never done anything like that. I just was not mentally ready because I hadn't processed it yet. You know, um, and so I think um, when I think about that, you know, it's like, you know, I was processing it, you know, a lot of times right on stage, you know. I mean, because I was thrust in positions that I really don't know that I was really mentally quite ready to deal with. Um, and I know a lot of times, you know, and, they, and I mean, they, they still were unbelievable. And, and you know, and, and, and things that, you know, to, to this day are really high points in my life, um, you know, in terms of just, and it's not about me. Again, it's not high points in my life because of anything that I did. It was high points in my life because 
I looked out in that audience and I saw love. I saw pure love and respect for someone that I knew, someone that I <laughs> used to literally sleep in the same room, you know, and I know, you know, literally where his drive comes from or came from. And it's like, and we used to talk about all the things we were going to do, you know. And so, I mean, it almost, I almost get, you know, um, you know, teary eyed now thinking about it because I just know from, I know where we came from, you know, I know what we, what we, what we aspired to. So to step out on, on a stage in, in, in Hungary or step on a stage in Paris or London, you know, or, or, uh, or Russia for that matter, you know, and to look out in the audience and just see people weeping, you know, and singing every word, you know, it's like I, I said before, you know, um, you know, there was one time, there was a couple of times where, I mean, I just got overwhelmed and I ain't gonna lie. I lost track of the song, the lyrics, the words, cause I'm looking and, and people are just, they're so emotionally wrenched. I was like, I just, you know, cause if you, you know, when you perform everything, is at a high, you know, everything is happening, you know, it's, everything is, right. is sort of, you know, when you're really on your game, everything is kind of, it's like, you're just kind of, you know, doing what you do. But when you do that and right. you have the element of emotion, like extreme emotion, you know, and things that you haven't processed yet, especially when you're singing somebody else's song, somebody that you were really, really close to, right. you're singing their music in front of their crowd, in front of their audience, people that love them, and you're and you're thinking about, you know, connecting the past with what he worked his tail off, literally, you know, to 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 um, you know to um, produce. It's just an emotional reality that it's hard to even explain. And and I think you know, and I really have to thank all of those guys. I have to thank uh, Morris Hayes for you know, for bringing me uh, you know into that situation, and and Bobby Z obviously for talking me. <laughs> talking me into to doing the uh, the first avenue shows because I, I really was not going to do it but you know and really it was more because of the fans really because he he brought up the fans and, and you know as I you know looked out and, and would read the different things about you know what the fans were saying I was like you know what this would really I think this is something that really would be important for the fans and it, and it, and it actually turned out to be a good thing from that uh, perspective and you know, I think that's the reason why you don't really see me do very much to that because it's really about the fans. If the fans were, you know, right. because the fans were into it, you know, and then I read things where some of the fans weren't into it. And I was like, you know what, I'm not, it's not like I'm trying to make a career or anything out of, you know, traipsing around anywhere doing, uh, doing prints or anybody else's material for that matter. You know, um, there's a lot of people that, you know, obviously they threw somebody right in there, you know, right after I didn't want to do it or wasn't going to do it anymore. So they just got somebody right on in there. And so that's how it works. And, and you know, and, and I'm sure that the fans were just happy. So, you know, and that's what it's all about. And we talked about before of having to teach people when it comes to what's going on in the world and Black Lives Matter. Another thing is, is we have to make sure there isn't revisionist history. I know mm -hmm. you posted <laughs> something very heartfelt to Prince on the anniversary of his birth. And people try to do stuff. Now, what I saw in 2012 was two friends who haven't seen each other in a while when you guys saw right, each other right. at the Sayers Club. And then right, right. literally a few hours later, unrehearsed, here's Andy Allo offering you uh, the guitar to play the dance right. electric for the first time. Yeah. Now, I saw right. Prince when he saw you, and I think it was a long time since you guys saw each other. And if I'm wrong, you can correct yeah. me. No, um, you're right. 
he was so happy to see you. Big yeah. old hug that you guys had and you guys chill, you and Catherine were next to me. And then all of a sudden, like I said, when Andy's bringing you the guitar, I'm like, wait. And then it's just like, <laughs> oh, wait, that's yeah. electric. Yeah. Describe that so people know. Like I said, I saw with my own eyes the love that Prince had for you and was yeah. so happy to see you. And I'm sure you felt the same way, but I'm gonna oh, let yeah. you go know with that night and how you felt. You know, you're, you're, well, first of all, you're spot on, you know, because, you know, again, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard. I can't even, you know, it, it's hard. That's why a lot of times I don't do very many um, uh, interviews and talk all that much because it really gets emotional because, you know, people misunderstand me and they always have throughout my whole life, throughout my whole career. Even when I was a kid, people didn't understand me very, very well, you know, because I, I've just never been, um, you know, your average kind of person. I don't think, I guess, like, you know, and so, you know, obviously, um, you know, Prince was one of the few people that I met that we really connected that, you know, he understood me and I understood him. And so obviously, obviously we went years. I mean, you know, people, you know, look at Prince and they think, you know, so many really you know, amazing things about him. They think he's really smart. He's a genius. He's all these different things. Right. And, you know, and he is all of those things. But if you think about that, you know, we met in what, seventh grade and the same guy who's all those things said, uh, I want to go live with that guy at his family. You know, so that, that, you know, says a lot about our relationship and, and really about how we came along. And I think what you saw that night was a lot of those, you know, those years, come into that room whenever we get together. You know, it's all, I mean, there's, there's countless, 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 right. you know, um, experiences that we, you know, we had together, obviously, you know, he probably looks at me and thinks, you know, I mean, I was there for his first album. I was there for his first demo. We did demos together way before that. All this, most, almost every song that was on the first, second and third album, we demoed together, you know I mean? So it's like, you know, you know, it's hard to explain that to people who just don't know. Because a, a lot of times there was nobody there, but he and I, literally. I mean, and then when I wasn't there, you know, because there was a time where, you know, I was I was like back in uh, in Minneapolis and he came out here to work on, um, I think, the, the Prince album, you know, and he had a fallout with the, the engineer. And I wasn't there because, I mean, a lot of times people don't understand. Prince don't talk to a lot of people. I mean, you probably know that. I mean, <laughs> I don't have to tell you. But back then, he really didn't talk to a lot of people. And I, you know, I don't have a problem talking. I was a hustler on the streets, grew up in the projects. I don't, I never had a problem talking to people. So I, you know, in our band and, you know, and even then I did a lot of the talking, a lot of communication. So when, when the communication broke down, he called me and I had to fly out there and I had to have a conversation with the engineer to make him understand why he just needed to just press record and let Prince do his thing. Cause I was like, look, this dude, knows what he's doing. And I had to explain me, you know, I mean, me and Prince are the same age, but people always treated us, Prince and more Prince even than, than myself, like we were just these kids who didn't know what the hell we were doing. You know, it's like we knew exactly what we wanted, what kind of music we were trying to do. They had no idea, you know? And it's so, it was always a struggle to get people who were, you know, who had, I guess, had done this stuff before to understand we're not trying to duplicate or replicate, we're trying to, you know, create something altogether new. So to get back to your point, just, um, I think what you saw when you saw that connection was just two guys who just, you know, you know, who had been through, 
you know, from nothing to where he was at, to where I was at, um, that's what comes in the room. And it's just adulation. It's just respect and love. And that's what you saw. You saw respect, love, pride, and the fact that we know each other. You know, we know more than anybody in that room what we had to do to get to that point, you know? Right. And uh, I think the same held true. It's like, you know, um, every time I would go see Prince, um, cause you know, very often he would just call me out of nowhere and say, you know, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here or I'm there, you know, and can you come and I'd love for you to come to the show. And, you know, and, and if I could, if I wasn't, you know, obviously doing anything, I'd be happy to come cause I knew it was gonna be a, a hell of a show, you know? Um, and so I would go and, you know, um, and uh, I had one experience that I thought was really, really um, uh, an amazing um, experience was my wife, Catherine, her um, cousin, you know, uh, uh, I think lived in Maryland and Prince was doing a show, I think in Philadelphia and they wanted to go to the show, but it was sold out. Um, and, uh, and she called and asked if there was a way that, that I could get tickets, right? And I'm like, I hadn't talked to Prince at that point in a long time. And I was like, I don't know, you know, plus trying to call always seemed kind of, you know, it was always kind of a hit and miss. You had to call 19 different numbers to, to try to get, you know, so it was always, right. you know, it wasn't easy, you know? So I was like, but you know, I'm trying to make an impression and, you know, so I'm like, well, let me see what I can do. You know, <laughs> so I, you know, I called and, and, and got hold of, um, I'm trying to think, I think, um, was it, uh, it might have been Takume, 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 Anyway, I think I think I think that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's why I got hold of. And then he, you know, he hooked it up, and um, and Prince met us with the golf cart, and I mean, I mean, he was like, drove us around, and and uh, uh, I mean, and these guys, I mean, and her cousin brought a couple of friends who were like huge, huge Prince fans. I mean, like I didn't even, you know. You know, obviously when I left, you know, I left and really didn't follow things so much. So I didn't really know just how huge he had gotten. You know, I just, no idea, really. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but I really just didn't, you know. Um, and, you know, and it was like, you know, so I mean, they're, they're just giddy and tripping and, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I didn't really know him that well. So I really didn't say a whole lot. So I was, but I was, they had purple flowers and everything. And I'm like going, okay, this is going to be weird. And he was so cool to them. And he treated them like he knew them, like they were his sisters, treated them with respect, brought them into his dressing room, told them stories, bad stories about me, <laughs> crazy stories. Patti LaBelle was in there, Indy Ari was in there, a lot of people were in there. Um, Manuela was in there. It was like, um, he had a dressing room for me with my name on the door. It was just, it was insane. Yeah, it was just, I was like, you know, it was just really, you know, way, way. And Morris was there. That's right. The time opened for him. So I ran into Morris and Morris like, man, you've been working out, you know, because <laughs> at the time I actually had been working out. And um, right. And, you know, anyway, it was just good to see those guys. And it was it was just a cool, you know, cool uh, experience. Hopefully he drove the golf carts a little bit uh, better than he drove the cars. Maybe he wasn't so oh, fast, God, you know. You know, I mean, that's a whole nother thing, man. Driving in a car with Prince. I, you know, there was one time I literally got out of the car while I was still rolling. Because he, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say he couldn't drive. It's just that he had a, an interesting relationship with driving. You know, I, I think he thought somehow or another he psychologically could. I mean, he used to literally say this. He could make the lights change. You know, so he would bail, you know, blaze through red lights and you know, finally I was like, look, I, I, let me out here. 
He's like, no, come on, come on. He's no, 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 let me out here. No, you got, what you going to do? You going to get walk home? I said, yep. And he slowed down. I got out of the car. He's like, drove along. <laughs> come on, man. I, I won't run anymore. It's, anyway, it was like stuff like that. It was like, you know, and I think that's the kind of stuff that, you know, when you see us reconnect, he, all that stuff comes in because he tells people crazy stories about me that I, I you know, uh, that I would probably not want him to, <laughs> but you know, anyway, it's just a, it's a good thing. All these questions are coming from the past and I want to concentrate on now, but we'll just do it. Someone's asking about the rebels project and why, why it was cut short. <laughs> uh, you really want to answer that? <laughs> if you want to answer that. Well, no, I don't mind, but you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, nothing for me is, is really, sacred when it comes to some of that stuff. I mean, obviously some things are, you know, personal and, and, and things like that. And, you know, and, you know, I, I imagine one of these days, you know, people might get a kick out of me actually, you know, sitting down and, you know, and giving them a real perspective, you know, from, right. from my point of view. Um, but as far as that's concerned, you know, I mean, the rebels, first and foremost, you got to understand, you know, the rebels were, was a way for him to keep us all busy. Let's just be honest to keep us all busy so we can go out and do other things and wind up somewhere with a record deal and bounce like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did, you know? I mean, and that was really what probably would have happened had he not, you know, he or whoever, you know, because we had our managers at the time that were very, very smart that probably said, you know what, you need to, you know, and they probably knew I would have probably been the first one to bounce, although I wouldn't have, you know, um, but they probably thought that I would have. And so um, so they put, thought, let's, get, let's keep them busy. And so we wound up, going to a, a Boulder to cut that record, um, you know, which took us off and out of the whole loop, you know, and we were controllable. So it wasn't like we were in the city where we could, you know, go off and do some other kind of thing. We were in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> so we were way off the beaten track, staying at this, this, this interesting hotel, um, working out of this amazing studio um, that uh, Perry and Tony had, had found. Um, they, uh, Perry used to manage Earth, Wind & Fire and, and was our manager at the time. But, um, but I think the reality is, you know, we recorded it and the first song that the record company wanted to release was the song that I wrote, Throw You or Kill You, because it was like funky and it was like, you know, and they were like, and so that would have been a problem because obviously if they released it, if it became a hit, then, you know, people would be like, well, why don't we put Andre on the road? Why don't we put him on tour? He'd be a solo artist, blah, blah, blah. That was probably not, uh, you know, you know, the way that anybody saw that working out. So whoever, right. whoever was in that position to make that not happen, made that not happen. So that's what happened with that. Right. Now we're going to go into stuff because like I said, we're in the now. We'll talk about Sign of the Times and hearing that. But you went to Paisley Park and you performed for New Year's Eve. Mm. From you know 2019 going to 2020, we would have never imagined stuff would be like how it is now. But you know, when I heard that you were performing at Paisley, I was so excited for you because I know when Prince was talking to me, I believe in 2013, he's like, "Oh yeah, I want to have Andre out here. I want to have him at Paisley us perform." They may not have happened where you guys perform together, but I was so happy to hear that you were performing at Paisley Park for New Year's Eve. I just want to know about the positive things of, of uh, that experience and being there again, of course, a little cold, but uh, go for it. You're used to it. I didn't hear the last part of that. Like, of course it, you know, it's cold for New Year's Eve, but you're used to it because you go to Minneapolis. Oh yeah. Often oh, okay. Yeah. Grew up there. No, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. I mean, we, 
I came very close a couple of times um, to performing at Paisley or, or at least going down and hanging out. Mm-hmm. And it would have, I mean, who knows what would have happened if I had had a chance to do that. Cause I know that in, I think 2013, um, I was, I was going to go down there, but my aunt had fallen ill and I wound up uh, sitting by her bedside, you know, and, and sat with her the whole night and didn't get a chance to, to, to go down there. And, um, you know, um, and then in 2014, I was supposed to go down there the time, I guess, when he had reconnected with Morris and all that, I was supposed to go down there as well, but then my father actually passed away. So, so it didn't, it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was just, I guess it was just not meant to be. But, um, but when uh, New Year's happened, um, uh, they had reached out. First, it was a conversation that I, I had had with um, Omar, Prince's brother. And he had asked me if I would be interested in doing something like that. He had come to the, the gig at the Mint and asked me if I'd be interested in doing something like that. And I said, yeah, I'm, you know, New Year's Eve, that would be a blast. That would be amazing. And then uh, Kurt reached out and, um, and I spoke with Kurt. Um, and then, you know, we put it together and, you know, it was just, it was, a, I got to tell you, it was a blast. The people were amazing. Um, you know, um, I pulled together, you know, um, you know, I kind of, you know, tailored my show basically because they wanted me to, you know, just do your own show, do your own set, you know, um, you know, because they saw what I did at the Mint and the Mint was, you know, the Mint was, you know, it was a great show. It was on, it was on fire. So, um, so I just, they said, just do the same thing, you know, and, and you know, um, and I thought, well, you know, I got to do a couple of Prince songs. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, so I did, you know, I did, uh, um, uh, she's always in. She's always in my hair, um, and then I did. Um, sometimes it snows in April, and then um, Bobby came. Bobby Z came, and he said, "Man, I want to sit in." And I was like, uh, I was trying to think because we we sometimes my band would do uh, "When You Were Mine," but we weren't planning on doing it that night. Um, but when Bobby said he wanted to sit in, I was like, "Okay, you know what? You know, I mean, we'll." I'm sure we could figure it out and we played it enough. I said, you guys good? They were like, yeah. So we just hit it, you know, and, uh, and it was cool. It, I mean, and the people, you know, again, you know, I got to tell you, but Prince has got some amazing, amazing, some of the most amazing fans. You know I mean? Even when we were, um, you know, I guess I have to say, you know, I mean, I, I, you were talking about, I never get credit for a lot of things. I'm going to take a little bit of credit, you know, cause I think about the early days you know, when we first, you know, we we're doing the Rick James shows and, and, and some of those those things that really kind of got things, you know, off and, and rolling. Right. Because those, those were hard gigs. You know, people, you know, it's great. You know, I mean, you know, I, you know, the revolution and and they tell me that, you know, hey, you know, people come to see, you know, they're coming to see us because we did the movie. And that's beautiful. And I understand that. But the thing, the reality is, you know, it was, you know, it was me, Prince and Dez and Bobby, Matt and, and, and Gail shoving that rock up that hill in the beginning, getting wow. booed and called all kinds of names, anything, but, you know, God's child. And all. Like, I mean, it was rough. I'm telling you, because we were going out in front of, you know, people who just didn't know anything about us at that point, you know. So it's great once you, you know, once you pay that way. And then right. you get to that point and then it's all, you know, you got, there's a lot of money and there's, you know, and you riding in limousines. We weren't riding in limousines. We were getting, we didn't have bodyguards and we were getting mashed. I was getting, you know, and the thing was is that, you know, I mean, they would look out for Prince, but then they'd forget about little old me, you know, and, and the way we were working, the way we had it set up is like, there were three front men, 
Des had the left side of the stage, Prince obviously covered the center, and I had the right side of the stage. And that's how we looked at it. And so it's like, the right side is mine. You know, and sometimes I go over there and I tease, I'm gonna, Des, I'm gonna come over there and I'm gonna take your eyes, I'm gonna bring them over to my side. <laughs> and we used to just clown around like that. But, you know, I mean, but we built, you know, I mean, like I say a lot of times, you know, it's like we would do the first three or four songs mm. and people would be looking at us like, ooh, you know, because I had on clear pants and, you know, and was, you know, coming out there and Prince either had on spandex or he'd have on underwear. So it was like, you know, people just never seen anything like that. So it's like, I mean, people would freak out. You know, guys were going, I don't know. I don't know about these guys. You know, they're kind of funky though. And women would be like, uh, they don't seem like they're, you know, they look like they, you know, and then, you know, cause obviously we was looking, <laughs> I was looking at the girls going, yes, that's right. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, so after about the third or fourth song, it was, it was a done deal. It was like, they were like, they were convinced, obviously they thought we were the sexiest men alive. And then they thought that they wanted to get with us. And then the guys thought, this is the funkiest band I ever heard. And I want to be a musician. <laughs> you know? So it was like, you know, there was a, it was a lot going on. And, you know, and I have to say, you know, um, you know, it was not easy, but, you know, after about the, after the third album, you know, we were doing the Dirty Mind tour and we finally obviously did, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. And I think it's some of that stuff that, you know, I think Mick and the Rolling Stones saw that they were like, you know what, we want those guys to open for us. You know, um, unfortunately, you know, I would have loved to, but that was the first gig that they did without me. Right. And that's awesome that you were there for New Year's Eve. I should have been there. That's on me. We'll have a different story. That. <laughs> Another thing that I heard, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I believe it's true that he uh, he rang you up one time when Sign of the Times is about to come out or whatnot, and he wanted to play it for you. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we're just circling that in because Sign of the Times is about to be re remastered and released. Right bonus tracks. How was that experience of hearing that stuff at Paisley for the first time? Cause it's still relevant today. You know, we can do an updated yeah. version of sign of times, but just that experience. Cause I, I've never heard that before. And I just think it's awesome that, you know, cause people don't know your background and things or whatnot, but that he would call you up out of the blue, like, yo, I got a new album coming out. Andre I want you to come here and listen to it at my studios. How that happened and how amazing was it? Well, first of all, he would do that. You know, I mean, he did that for that album and, and the Batman soundtrack. And, you know, he would, he would, you know, he would track me down. It was, it was always bizarre because it was never, you know, Prince can't do anything normal and, you know, nor should he, but it was never like a, it was never that simple. It was like, you know, I would, I was at a club with um, Jody Watley and Jermaine Stewart and we were partying as a, uh, I forget the name of the club, but it was uh, down at the bottom of the Beverly Center. Um, God, I, I forget the name of that club. But anyway, um, somebody came up to me, one of his bodyguards came up to me and said, Prince wants you to come up to the house, you know? And, uh, you know, and I was like, um, I'm kind of, you know, partying. I was like <laughs> trying to get my groove on, you know? And I was like, I'm partying. I got some people with me, man. You know, we just trying to, he's like, uh, you can bring them with. I was like, you guys want to go? He's like, yeah. You know, I mean, I found out, I didn't know that they were such big Prince fans until <laughs> I was like, oh, you do, do you? I was like, you know, so I was like, all right, cool. So we got in the limo and drove up to the house and and um, and uh, 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 we go in and then I, you know, Prince comes and, you know, and I introduce him to Jermaine and introduce him to Jody and, you know, we kind of chit chat a little bit. And he's like, do you mind if I, you know, bring Andre upstairs? We got to talk about a few things and, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. And so um, we went upstairs 
And he proceeded to play me, you know, what I think was actually a four album set. So it's interesting, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean, if, you know, I would love to hear it and get with it and see what's all on it and, and all of that because, you know, because what he played me, we were there for like, it was a four album, four album set. It was literally, you know, we were there for hours, you know, literally for, you know, a good three, four hours just listening to the whole thing. You know, and I, I remember stopping him after Dorothy Parker and going, okay, you know, I was like, that is just unbelievable. I mean, the stink on that beat is just, it's like, it's like, you know, obviously Sign of the Times was insane. And it just, there's so many songs on that record that are just absolutely just, you know, and then there were, it just was song after song after song that was just one more amazing than the other or just as amazing as the last or just different. And so, and I was like, you know, I mean, I was out of breath just listening to it when we got to the end. And one of the things that I remember saying, and I remember this, this so clearly, I mean, one of the things that I knew about the time, because he had this big clock, huge clock that was on the wall that, you know, um, that we were staring at the whole time we were listening to. It's really almost like surreal when I think about it. We're just Prince and I sitting in a dark room listening to music. I mean, it's not that big of a stretch because obviously we used to sit in the dark room when we lived in my mom's house because we, we would flip coins to listen to music. But um, when I think about, um, you know, uh, just different, you know, just that setting, you know, and listening to that, that, that music was just so amazing. But one of the things that I remember is when it was, when it was over, I said, I said, you know, I said, obviously it was amazing. I said, but that's so much music. I said, I think that's too much, man. You know, you should just do like an album just an album because you just released it. You just put something out not that long ago. She give the people a, a chance to sort of, you know, miss you a little bit. You know, he's like, I can't do that. I can't, what am I gonna do with all this music? I, I just, I have to, I can't, I can't just sit and let it sit there. I gotta get it out. I can't just do it. And he was like adamant, you know, was adamant about, he was like almost, he just, you know, was really, you know, adamant about it, you know? And I was like, well, that's a lot of stuff. I said, you know, that's, that's, and I said, I said, that's like three albums worth of material, you know? I said, I mean, you know, far be it from me, but you could, you could put that out, wait a little bit, put it really, you know, no, I can't do that. He's like, I, you know, I got, I just, I do too much stuff. I got too much stuff going. I can't, I was like, all right, well, you know, um, and that was pretty much it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. I'm just glad that they are doing it. Like, so we can hear all that stuff that you were able to hear and how yeah. amazing it was on things. And and you're now. right. You're right. It's it's it is. You know, when you think of sign of the times, it's just as timely now as it was when he when he it, you know when he released it back then. So it's 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 such a connection. So yeah. 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 It's just craziness the amount of material that he did and you being a part of so much. I, again, I want to bring it back to the now. And there's someone asking this question. Hopefully, we'll cover it. They want to know if you have any. Uh, stories that it came when it came to the rick james tour any stories about rick and that's gonna be if you're not it's cool we can get to the front but i'm sure you do yeah i mean you know how can you be you know it seemed like we were on, i swear to god it seemed like we were on tour with rick james oh man forever for a lifetime that tour seemed like it lasted forever um you know i noticed somebody had a um one of these is i have to i have to find it because i know i have it i have 
so much stuff from back in those days. But so that little, there's a little card that they, somebody put out of Prince. It's like a little yellow card with this picture on it. And he, I think it, it had, you know, occupation star or something like that, you know. Um, it's funny because I have that same card. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I mean, I just, I think about that too. And that card reminds me of that too, and a lot of the other stuff. But, you know, no, Rick James was, um, you know, obviously, first of all, it was, a, it was an amazing experience because, uh, you know, I mean, just to be able to, um, um, just to be able to, you know, travel and, and experience. I mean, we were, we were doing 10,000 seat arenas. I mean, you know, I mean, before that, you know, I mean, first of all, first of all, we, were, we, we came from, it wasn't, what, two years ago, we were just doing little hotels and clubs. It was literally two, three years prior to that, we were still playing at the Holiday Inn or the Ramada. So, you know, to, to, to in such a quick period of time, be, you know, actually performing in front of, you know, thousands of people. It's pretty freaking amazing. But, um, no, the, the, the thing about Rick is, is um, you know, he was, uh, you know, Rick was kind of a street brother and I'm a kind of a street brother. And we ran, we, we ran into each other. We, we kind of butted heads when we first met because, um, you know, Prince, uh, you know, we were, we were, me and Prince were already having a little thing between he and I about his, um, his, uh, his sign. He had a sign that, you know, um, is scrim, scrim, you know, uh, backdrop. Um, and, you know, Rick James had this big giant, you know, Rick James and the Mary Jane girls, it was huge, you know, and when we'd have to go out and stand and perform in front of it. And, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't know, well, maybe they do know this about me, but I'm pretty cocky and I'm, and I don't really, you know, I, I don't hide what I think and, and feel to anybody. I don't care who it is. And so, and it's, it gets me in trouble a lot of times, but you know, it's just, it's just how I come. But, um, but I was like, dude, you know, every night we're playing in front of this thing. At what point do we get to have like our own, you know, thing? And so he went and told the record company, well, we need to get our own backdrop, you know? And um, so they sent out a backdrop, you know? And what they sent out was a joke, you know? And so it was like, um, I don't even know what to, you know, I mean, Prince got so mad at me because he would, he would always say, you don't like anything, you know? I was like, I, 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 like, I like a lot of things that are good. I don't like anything that ain't any good. So, right. um, but it was, uh, uh, it was this, um, this little hydraulic sign that said Prince, right? And, you know, cause he was really excited about it when it came, he came, you know, to the dressing room as soon as I got there, he came, you gotta see it, it came, it came, it's here, it's here. It's, you know, it was really, it was like a kid in the candy shop and he brought me out to the, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't even on the stage yet, it was on the side of the stage, you know, way in, you know, you know, like uh, the stage was way up here. It was way back here on the side, right? Wow. So we're standing around, I'm looking at this thing. I was like, and I was looking, he said, what do you think? And I'm looking at it, I'm going, um, this ain't gonna get it, man. This is like, it's, I said, first of all, I said, imagine that up there, it's, it's tiny. First of all, it looks like a hamburger stand. It looks like Prince's hamburger stand. And I said, and how does it work? He said, it was hydraulic, you know, it just, it goes up and, and I said, like, how? He said, just step on that pedal. And so I stepped on the pedal and then it just came clumping down and then tilted. <laughs> and I was like, he said, you stepped on it too hard. <laughs> it was like, okay, well, I said, well, if I have to step on it too hard and that happens, then we're gonna, we're, we're in trouble, you know? 
And um, and at that point, Rick James came up because I think that might have been, you know, I, I hadn't really met Rick at that point. And he came up and he pointed the, uh, you know, the uh, the love gun or whatever it was at me. And I went ballistic. I said, you don't point, you know, effing gun at me. I don't care who you are. You don't point. If you point a gun at me, you better shoot it. Because I said, I'm going to, you know, because if I, you know, if I have to, you know, it just got into this whole back and forth macho bullshit. But, um, right. but uh, you know, Prince was like, it's cool, you know, because Prince would always, you know, tend to try to calm me down in situations like that because I was a little hot-headed. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, so anyway, it just, it got to be at the, but that's how, you know, me and Rick or Rick and I first kind of, you know, got acquainted. Um, and then it got it got a little crazy after that because they they always thought that I was thought I was too good to speak or whatever. But you know, but the but the thing about me is when I would perform and come off stage, you know, when you perform, you get in a zone, you know. And I would get into a zone, especially with you know what we had to go through to try to really you know put on the kind of show we were trying to put on at that point. You know, it really it was about focus. It was about really being intent, uh, um, intense. You know, and really kind of. Um, you know, playing off of each other and just, you know, making sure we, you know, um, we, um, you know, executed, you know, what we were trying to accomplish, you know, it was really important, you know. And so when I came off stage, the only time I would ever break concentration was if I saw George Clinton, you know, cause he would, he would be on the side of the stage every now and again, I'd be like, George Clinton, <laughs> cause I'm, you know, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's my, that's, that's my, you know, him and Stevie, I'm done. But when I so when I would see him, I would that would be the only time. Otherwise, right. you know, I would just you know, you know, the band. I guess the band members would say, you know, great show or whatever, and I just would still be, you know, obviously pouring sweat because you know I got clear pants on. So you know, I'd go out there weighing whatever 145. By the time I walked off stage, I was like 110. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like no joke. So I was like dehydrated and everything else. So I had to you know really just go and and sort of you know get my you know get my head back together but you know and so stopping and chit-chatting was not on the menu at that point right i'm just glad that rick later on in life was able you know because he talked mess about prince for a long time and then shortly before he passed with the dave Chappelle skit and all that he's like man i'm so glad prince is still out there he's like my only problem with prince was is that he thought he can get more girls than me and ain't no one getting more <laughs> girls than rick yeah well you know it's it's hard to say you know i mean i you know i mean because to be to be honest um obviously you know prince was he was pretty you know he was pretty focused during those those tours you know he was really very way way more focused than i was put it that way hmm. and uh and he was really you know at that time he was he was already starting to do the whole view um view the shows after the show, you know, and I just was not feeling that at all. So we we had issues with that because I'm like, I'm not gonna sit around watching the show. You guys can watch that if you want to. I just did it. Now I'm gonna go out and party. So I'm like going there. He's like, but you got it. No, I don't gotta do nothing. I'm gonna go. Um, you let me know how it is. If I did something that I didn't shouldn't have done, let me know and I'll try to correct it. You know, but uh, you know, and then but you know, I gotta tell you, you know, in retrospect, I was wrong. That's one thing that you know. I really, if 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 I had a do-over and any of that kind of stuff, I would I would go back and really kind of sit with what he was trying to do because it was it's a, it's such a brilliant thing to do, you know, when you really understand what he was trying to do because that is one of the main reasons why he was by far one of the best, most amazing performers on the planet because he right. would review the show, everything about the show, he would scrutinize. 
and he would make it better, you know, I mean, top to bottom, you know, and, and that's, you know, if you want to be great, that's what you got to do. You know, if, you know, if you want to be anything other than that or whatever, then you do what I did. <laughs> you, you slough it off. And then, you know, I mean, you know, but I, you know, I mean, obviously my philosophy is just, you know, more just raw, you know, do what God gave you and you go out there and do it, you know, and um, right. his thing was more, you know, hey, you got to work it like a, a football game or something, you know, so it's just different approaches for the same thing. Definitely. And we just had, I believe it's Jill Jones that's in the room. And see, that's why we got to get back to the live performing and get this over with because it didn't happen at Paisley, but it happened at the Mint where you and Jill did She's Always in My Hair together. And that yeah. was flipping amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I want this to be over with just like you, like what, what are things that you are looking forward to aside from performing or things that you want to do when we can kind of have our lives back and we're going to get we're going to get to Black Lives Matter again as well, but I'm just curious of things that you're looking forward to in the future that you can do. You know, I mean, there's so many things I want to do. I mean, obviously, you know, um, you know, I just got asked to do a show um, in Minneapolis. I was going to do a show. I was scheduled to do a show in April that got canceled. I was scheduled to do some stuff in New York that got canceled. But, you know, I mean, you know, obviously I want to perform. Um, you know, um, I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm a screenwriter producer you know i've studied all this stuff so i've written god i've written over eight 17 18 screenplays so i do i'm a prolific writer you know storyteller i write stories and plays and i've done a bunch of different things um you know musically you know uh actually oddly enough i, I i've recorded i've written probably about 14 or 15 classical i play the piano probably a lot of people don't know that but i play the piano so i've written a bunch of classical songs that probably nobody will ever hear um so, but I do one day want to go out and, you know, and, and, and maybe do, do different things, you know, um, obviously I want to, you know, do some films, you know, um, you know, just different things, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot of, there's a lot to, there's a lot to, to, to do a lot to be done, you know, right. very committed to, um, <clears throat> trying to see if I can, um, bring people together to try to really reimagine, you know, um, the black community. That's one of the things that I'm really, really um, focused on trying to make happen and see if I can bring people together to make that, uh, bring that into fruition and, you know, hopefully make that a prototype for, um, for you know, black communities around the country, you know, and, right. and to just really, you know, get people to look at, you know, um, uh, the black community, black culture and black people in, 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 in the best light, you know, um, because there's just... You know, I mean, I think that's another thing that I think is important about film. That's part of the reason why I want to do films and I've always wanted to do films because I think so often only so few um, stories get told about um, from a black perspective that, uh, you know, my background and the background of my family is right. is so, you know, different. My father was an inventor. Um, my uncle was a war photographer. Um, you know, one of my uncles was um, Gordon Parks. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, there's so many stories you can tell, so many things you can bring to the experience, the American stories. And, you know, and, right. and you know, and when you think about people, you know, um, you know, we have such a, a lush, lush history when you think about, you know, um, you know, musicians, painters, artists, you know, um, dancers, uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many, so many stories you could tell, you know, that, um, 
that I just I think it's 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 we we have done ourselves a disservice by you know not expanding and expounding on all the different things and the different stories that you know as black culture and as black people we can put out there in the world to give our kids our children our grandchildren you know um, inspiration to look to you know to um to to uh, to to you know to aspire to you know to just you know what so it's not just you know um sort of you know one thing because one of the one of the things that that you know black folks do you know is they create things like they create rock and roll and then they just drop it and they move on you know and then somebody else comes along picks it up you know and then they claim it and then it becomes you know lost and then they you know create you know jazz and then somebody else you know picks it up you know and then they move on and then they create you know funk and somebody or r&b and then you know you got singing groups and then it gets you know picked up and then the next thing you know you got you know and then hip-hop you know and then the next thing you know you got you know um another other cultures and you know picking it up and then running with it you know and then we get typecast as just one you know uh sort of monochromatic you know uh uh you know culture which is just not the case and and i just I think it's a, tra a travesty of, of creation or of creativity not to elaborate and expound on all the different things. Right. You know, I mean, there should be no sell by date on anything creative. Artist, art is art, period. You know, I mean, I'm better now than I ever was at anything that I do. I don't care what it is. I'm better than anything that I ever, that I did when I was 14, 15, 16, 18, 20. Right. I'm better now at everything that I've ever done, you know, than I ever was, except right. basketball. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but everything else. <laughs> right. And I like, we can go all night with this and I know we're going to wrap it up because I appreciate your time. We'll get in some last questions. I want to talk about resurrection of funk and when we're going to see uh, new music from you, of course, with what's going on right now, it changes everything. But I'm just curious about your thought process of releasing new music. Just like our world is on fire right now, which you guys better get from Bandcamp and check out on YouTube. Thank you. For sure. And I wish that with this, format had it to where we can play it but what's going on with resurrection of funk and other new music well the resurrection of funk is actually done uh it's i i finished it and you know it's just you know the thing is i just didn't want to put it out right now because i think people are focused on other things as they should be um and i think you know because i you know write a lot of music um i'm going to keep writing songs about what's going on right now and trying to get people into it we got an election coming up and i got to get people out there to vote, so I'm going to be writing songs and music, and and focused on really doing what I can do um, to get people engaged in the voting. Um, you know, so if I got to write 20 more songs, you know, I'm going to do whatever I whatever I got to try to raise money, to try to raise awareness, to get people really focused, you know, on on this moment because we are at a moment right now that you know we cannot let slip by, and I think it's it's a time where we really need to have all hands you know, on deck and um, involved in this right now, because, you know, these, these things happen like that. And I just think that it's important for us to, you know, really keep the pressure on, you know, and not let people, you know, let it slip away. You know, I mean, the police are completely out of control. They're absolutely out of control. Every time I see a video or a clip of them, you know, um, beating on a little a lady or a woman or a little kid, you know, or not to mention, you know, um, George Floyd, you know, I mean, you know, for every George Floyd you see, 
there's probably 50, 60 to 100 that you don't see. You know, and it just gets, it's absolutely, it's just way, 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 way out of control. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like we're here for them to just beat up on. It's like we're target practice. It's like black, especially black people are just here for them to, you know, get their, you know, their frustration or whatever's going on with their life. It's like they see something, ooh, that's who I'm going to get. You know, I'm mad today, so I'm going to go beat that black man up. I don't care what he's done. He might not have done anything, but I'm going to beat the shit out of him. And then I'm going to make him crawl and beg for his life and humiliate him and bring him down to absolutely nothing because I can, because I feel superior over this black man. And because my heritage says I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm superior to this man. I'm going to make him bow down because I got a gun and a badge and a license to kill and take his life without a jury, without judgment, without anything. I'm his judge, jury and executioner. So I'm gonna do this to him and he's he can't do anything. And I'm gonna get off and there's nothing anybody's gonna do to me because the fraternal order of the police are gonna have my back. The police union is gonna have my back and I'm gonna murder this black man. I don't care what music he did. I don't care what sport he plays. I'm gonna murder him in cold blood and I'm gonna get away with it because nobody's gonna do a goddamn thing about it, okay? You know, it's like, this is absurd. And then they you tell, you know, go back to Africa, you know, what? What, what kind of nonsense is that? When you kidnapped us, you brought Africa to America, okay? And we ain't going nowhere, period. So it's like, look, you know, I don't want to get upset because these kind of things, they hit too close to home. And I'm very passionate about it. And I get really upset because, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, one-on-one, you know, with any of these guys, it, it would, you know, it's not even about that. It's about protect and serve. You know, black people, they have no police force. They have no law uh, enforcement. There's no, you know, you call the police. You know, first of all, you don't call the police if you're black. You got nothing, you know, you got no police force. You know, you have a, a situation at your house, you're, you're, you're shit out of luck. You better have a gun and you better have a license and you better have everything, you know, your baseball bat or whatever you got. Because right. calling the police is like, you know, basically you're probably going to get killed. You know, you know, there's a large possibility that, you know, if you have somebody breaking into your house, you're probably going to get killed. They're going to see you. You're black. Oh, you did it. Oh, what? Oh, he, that was his house. Oops. Sorry. Uh, fraternal order, please uh, clean up on aisle three. It's insane. It's insane what's going on. It's just absolutely. Obs- anyway, I don't want to keep yeah. going. I get upset about this stuff. Because I think that's why right now what you said earlier is 100 percent true. I'm seeing it. People are getting the message. You got to vote. Bring your friends. Do whatever vote. you got to do. Have voting yeah. parties. Go yeah, you got voting parties. Afterwards, but social distance. But yes. Yeah, but social. And you got to overwhelm the system. You got to vote. You know, you got to get everybody and their grandma. You know, I don't care if you think you got a record because I know a lot of times, you know, people who have, you know, who've, who've been in jail or incarcerated or anything like that, you know, because they've arrested so many, so many brothers and sisters and they feel like they've taken them out of the game. Well, they haven't taken you out of the game. You still have a right to vote. Don't be afraid to step up and think that somehow right. or another, if you go vote, you're gonna let that intimidate you and not go to go to the polls or vote online or vote, uh, however you gotta vote, but you gotta vote. You gotta get your family to vote. It's, it's way too important right now. Absolutely. Black Lives Matter. Let's remember Breonna Taylor. Let's not Thank forget you. that. I mean, no well, what that, it is. yeah, that's, I don't even, you know, I came in. There's so many names, but her, her, her thing is so, yeah. So, so it's just unbelievable. I mean, the, someone the list sent me. Sorry, 
I apologize. Someone sent me from the Bay Area a few weeks ago about baby names. And then they included all the names of people that were, that basically had been murdered. Mm -hmm. And the list is so ridiculously long. Yeah. It speaks to the fact that obviously, you know, I hate to say it, but it is a systemic issue. It's something that they're doing on purpose. You know, it's not by accident. It's, it's just, they're trying to, we are the hunted, you know, black people, black culture is the hunted and it needs to stop, you know, and, and the beautiful thing is, you know, it ain't just black people that recognize it right now. It's everybody's recognizing that, you know, because everybody wants, you know, I mean, you only have a handful of people that are jealous or whatever their issue is that wants some throwback to whatever time that, and first of all, wake up call, it ain't never gonna happen. So at some point we gotta evolve and to come together and realize we're all in this thing together. So, you know, whatever fantasy that they might have or, you know, are entertaining, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. At some point we gotta come together, so. Correct. That's how I feel. And like I said, we can talk for a long time on this, but I just wanna wrap things up. And we'll, I know we didn't get to all your questions. We will, I definitely want to have Andre on again. I'm not joking when I say that he's one of my favorite guests to have on. Um, but in closing, my man, is there anything that you want? Like we got, we're getting out about getting out to vote. Resurrection of Funk is done. We're going to get it in time. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to share? Even if it's something on Prince or something um, that you want to discuss for all of us to be able to come together. You know, I think we covered we covered a lot. Let me see. Um, you know, I just want to say, you know, the donations obviously are going to Sabathony, and Sabathony is kind of a big thing, you know, because obviously I have a connection from when we were kids because we played at Sabathony. We did, right. you know, we did shows back in those days, and so it's it's important what they're doing. Um, you know, it's important what Matthew's doing because he's he's got um, some organizations that his, you know, um, if you go onto his site. Um, you can see um, and you can donate to the causes that he's involved with. And they're, you know, I mean, I just think, you know, my message, um, Movement for Black Lives, um, the Dream Defenders, they do this thing. I mean, they do this Sunday thing that is really amazing. I've watched it a few times. It's right. really, really, you know, it's good. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things going on um, that, uh, you know, that I think people really, you know, should embrace because we, you know, we, we, we this is our time. I know I say this all the time, but this is our time. This is our moment. This is our history. And so we have to step up. You know, we have to get involved and we have to make our world what we want it to be. You know, nobody's going to do it for us. You know, it's up to us to take it into our hands. So that would be my message closing is just, you know, we have to take this moment into our hands and we have to deliver for our children, our grandchildren and for the future. So people go back and say, you know what? They hooked us up. They're either going to say they hooked us up or they jacked us up, you know. I'd rather they say they, you know, we hooked them up, you know, whether it's, you know, culturally, musically, whether it's turning the corner on racism, turning the corner on law enforcement and reimagining the police department, reimagining black communities, reimagining unity, because that's what this song, that's what our world is on fire is all about. It's all about, you know, unity. It's all about evolution, you know? Um, and I think that's, you know, that was, that was the, 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 um, premise behind the writing the song. It's like, right. you know, and I was talking about revolution in that song. And I wrote this song before all this stuff jumped off, you know, but you know, revolution, first stop, Detroit. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's uh, 
it's it's what it's all about. So, yep. And we're gonna make sure on the playback. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up Catherine that we have the links for people to donate. So when they're watching it back on YouTube, on Facebook, and all the other streaming services, they have a link there that they can donate directly. Cool. So we'll make sure to take care of that. Andre, I want to thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you in person, but I love doing this. And I've already seen people want you back for part two. We'll definitely get it on the schedule, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, anytime I'll come out and, you know, flap my jaws and, you know, talk about, you know, the good stuff. We appreciate it, my friend. Thank All you right. so much. Until thank you. Until next time. All right. Thank you. Take care. Right. I'll pull you All off. Right. Thanks, man. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope that we were able to get all your questions. Remember, we're probably gonna be having um, a hit and run podcast very soon in the sense that it won't be a Wednesday 6 p.m. one, but it could be happening tomorrow or another time down the road with something that we know has been getting talked about. But for then, I just wanna thank Andre so much for his time, for sharing his stories. Um, someone asked about the symbol that's up behind me um had a friend give it to me that um her sister passed away and she was a big prince fan so i took that on there and then it was sitting in my room and like when i was redesigning my set i decided to add it in there and do these things um but i want to thank you guys so much it seems like our audience is getting bigger every week and that's what we want we want to get it back to uh, when Prince would be promoting this recast for us and we had thousands in the room at a time and over 100,000 views within days. Um, but can't do that without you guys. I'm gonna keep trying to make this show better and get great guests. I already have some people lined up that I'm in contact with. And um, of course, I appreciate your guys' donations and you know it just helps make this show better and I want to do things. I'd love to have another TV behind me so we can play stuff from it since we don't have the format because I would have loved to play Andre's video tonight for everyone. But the technology isn't up to where we want it yet. But I'm constantly trying to make the show better for you guys. I took this on, this project on while we were dealing with COVID to make things better and to um, just have this platform for all of us to be a part of. So I just want to say thank you guys so much. We're going to be covering some things. The next show that will be hit and run, we're going to be covering that big project along with other things because there's been some stuff that's happened with Paisley Park reopening and some other things that we need to get into. We just haven't had the time yet, and I don't want to take away um, from my guest and from you guys being able to ask questions. But I thank you so much. You're going to see me sooner than you guys think. And uh, so get used to this face. Sorry, maybe I'll wear a hat or whatever next time, but we'll have a different outfit on than the red, the red dress shirt. But um, I'm very, very appreciative of you guys. And um, thank you. Make sure to share when we, when we go live or even you can share this now to other groups that you're a part of. Um, donate when you can or if you can, but more, more importantly for Andre's things, we're gonna have the links. Make sure to donate there those things right now are more important. I have tremendous love for you guys. And um, till next time. And thank you again, Andre. Thank you guys so much. Much love. Keep it funky, y'all.